Welcome to New Life Bible Church, and thank you for joining us. Every week, listen to practical teaching of God's Word you can apply to your life as you live out your faith every day. Our vision at New Life is that you may know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. Here's this week's message from New Life Bible Church. it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. Today I will be taught the word of God. I boldly confess my mind is alert. My heart is receptive. I will never be the same. I'm about to receive the incorruptible, indestructible, ever-living seed of the word of God. I will never be the same. Never, never, never I will never be the same in Jesus' name. Amen, amen. Thank you, Lord. So today's message kind of picks up where we left off last week. Uh, I told you, you need to keep showing up for these because they're going to uh, attach themselves to each other. And if you don't, if you only hear the first one, if you hear last week's, there was some encouraging word there, but basically we were just looking under the table. We were trying to see, okay, we're sitting at the king's table like Mephibosheth. We've been delivered out of Lodabar, which was the rocky place, the place with no fruitfulness, no, you know, it's a rocky place. You can't grow anything. We, we've been delivered from that. We were sat at the, at the king's table, and it says at the end of that scripture, and I believe in 2 Samuel, it says, and, they, and he was lame in both of his feet. So even though we've been delivered and we've received Jesus and we've been delivered out of our old life, and we're sitting at the king's table, right, as, as it says, sitting, and we're eating the king's food, but underneath, right, everybody sees our waist up because we're good Christians. We know how to speak Christianese, and, you know, we carry our Bibles with us, and we, we know all these things. So all that's good from here up. But then from down, down here, we're not able to run, and we're not able to walk, and we're not able to stand, and we're not able to do the things that are going to be required to be an integral part of the kingdom of God. So we did that last week. So I want to jump right into what I'm calling free indeed. I have another uh, uh, sermon called free indeed, but it's called free indeed youth, I believe I called it, or to the youth or for the youth, something like that. So uh, it's interesting how uh, um, Gus, our media director, whenever I name something, he says, you already preached that, or you preached something similar to that. I don't even remember those things. He does. So I said, no, this one's different than the one. And then I went back and looked, and sure enough, there was a free indeed that I had preached to the youth. And I believe it was when they came back from Camp Decision or something, I had preached something similar to that. Uh, But this one's different, and I just didn't know what else to call it. So there it is, okay? So I, I, I I can put a sermon together. I just have trouble with the titles. But, um, but anyway, today is free indeed. And let's go to John chapter 8, verses 31 through 36. John chapter 8, 31 through 36. And now that I said John, welcome back, John. How you doing? All right. So 31. To the Jews who had believed him, Jesus said, if you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then, everybody say then. Then, then you will know the truth. And the truth will set you free. You see, we always say the truth will set you free. But there's a then there. That means that there's something you got to do prior to this happening, right? To the Jews you had believed in him, Jesus said, If you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. His teaching is his word. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. They answered him, We are Abraham's descendants and have never been slaves of anyone. How can you say that we shall be set free? Jesus replied, very truly I tell you, 
Everyone who sins is a slave to sin. Now a slave has no permanent place in the family, but a son belongs to it forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. And I like to, I like to separate that word, indeed, right? In your actions, you will express your freedom. That, he has, that the Son has set us free. But he says, you are, you are slaves to sin. See, if you're a slave to something or someone or a master or, or whatever, once you're a slave to something, you no longer belong to anyone else. It's not like you're a part-time slave. So once you're a slave, you're serving whatever your master is. In this case, he's talking about sin. So once you're serving sin and you become a slave to sin, you can no longer be called a son, as in the family of God. You can't be part of a family and be the slave of that family, right? I don't call my children my slaves. They're my children. They have, they have special treatment. They have access to certain things that other people don't have access to. My wallet I'm giving them less and less access to my wallet at this point because they're, they're much older. Thank God that my oldest married someone and she has access to his wallet and not mine. <laughs> and he's a good provider, so I'm very proud of my son-in-law. But if I'm a son, I have certain privileges that I don't have as a slave. So you may say, well, I'm, I'm free. I belong to God. I'm a son of the Almighty. But if you're still in sin and you're a slave to that sin, can you fully belong to God? Can you be a part of that family? If the truth will set you free, then the lie will incarcerate you. There's got to be a, there's always two sides to the coin, right? You ever seen a two-headed coin? This one's not like that. <laughs> Let's hope that today it ends up a coin cause, a coin, a coin toss for overtime in the Super Bowl. That would be a good game, right? I don't care who wins. I just want a good game. If the truth will set you free, then the lie will incarcerate you. And who's the liar? The devil is the liar. There's a scripture that says you can only serve one of these two fathers, the father of lies or the father of truth. There's no in between. There's no gray area. You're either on one side or the other. A slave has no permanent place in the family. One who is enslaved by their sin does not have access to the benefits of being in the family. Galatians chapter 5, verse 17. I'm going to read it in the English Standard Version. It says, For the desires of the flesh are against the spirit, and the desires of the spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other, to keep you from doing the things you want to do. What do you want to do? That'll lead you somewhere. That's, you got to choose one. There's a fork in the road. You're choosing one way or the other. What do you want to do? I want to continue in my sin. Then you can't have what's on this side. Because yeah. on. once, once you've given yourself as a slave to this, you can no longer be free over here to do and to receive what God has promised you. The truth will set you free, but the lie will incarcerate you. 
He won't let you do what you want to do. So how does this happen? How do I know that this is happening in my life? Well, you're under the influence. Everybody knows what that means, right? Don't raise your hands. Um, <laughs> how many of you have ever been under the influence? You know what that means. Or don't raise your hands. You know what that means, right? You're under the influence. You drink too much or you do too much of something or you whatever. Then you're no longer acting or behaving like yourself. Your inhibitions go right out the window. You're just, you're just free to woohoo! Yeah! That's why it's called wine and spirits. See, the Holy Spirit will make you do some stuff without a hangover. <laughs> but you can be under the, the same way that you can be under the influence of the Spirit of God, you can be under the influence of the Spirit of the liar. You can be under the influence of the Spirit of this age, of this world. When you're under the influence of something, you tend to do things you would not normally do. We have TikTok videos of people doing all kinds of weird stuff because they're under the influence. I don't know about you, but that, that makes me sad. I don't, I don't tend to laugh at those too much. Romans 7, 5, uh, Romans 7 verse 15 in New Living Translation, it says, I don't really understand myself, for I want to do what is right, but I don't do it. Instead, I do what I hate. I don't understand why, I, why this is happening to me. You have two choices here. You can continue on the road you're on, dealing with the lameness in your life, being a slave to the sin and under the influence, or you can use this message here today as a catalyst and begin on your road to freedom and let Jesus set you free so that you can be free. Come on. Indeed. Free in deed. See, my actions and the way that I behave and the way that I live my life reflect my freedom because my deeds reflect my, my freedom. The way that I behave, the things I do, the things I say, the way I think. Sometimes we're incarcerated up here and nobody even knows it because it's inside here. God knows and you know. If you choose to continue on this road, there is a progression. It's the area of your life you choose not to deal with. And, you know, sometimes we have areas in our life that we, that we try to deal with and we just we keep failing at dealing with it. And then there's areas in our life where we've just accepted it. We've just kind of said, okay, here, this is who I am, this is what I do, I'm getting ahead of myself, but, right? And we just kind of accepted that way of life. If you do that, it becomes part of your identity. This is who I am, I'm like my mom, I'm like my dad, I'm Hispanic, I have a temper, I'm Irish, I'm a smoker, I'm an alcoholic, I grew up this way, they did this to me, this is why I'm this way. Right? I was born this way. That's the only truth. Because we were all born that way. It says we were all born into sin. Right? I remember the story of the, the, the homosexual young man that was outside the church every Sunday. He never would come in. And, and the pastor kept driving by. And he was, stand, he was sitting out there in front of the church. And one day he stopped and says, can I help you with something? He says, yeah, I've been coming. I want to go inside. But, but uh, you know, 
I'm, I'm a homosexual. He goes, you're welcome to come inside. You don't have to stay out here. And he goes, but you don't understand. I was born this way. And the pastor said, so was I. And he looked at him and he goes, are you gay? And he says, no, I'm not gay, but I was born as a sinner. Just like you were. Kid came inside, got saved, got married, had kids, ended up you know, serving in the ministry there. Because nobody judged him. Because we all deal with it. We all have something under the table. So it becomes part of your identity because it's your culture. It's, you know, who you came from. You need to cut all those chains. Divorce was a big deal. You know that Cuba has the, for, per capita, has the largest amount of divorce than any nation in the world for, for the amount of people that are on there. They get married and divorced five, six times. A lot of them do. And some of the Puerto Ricans in the house are going, yeah, our, our place do it. It happens a lot in our... And then we say, well, that's just the way it is. No, that's not the way it is. Yeah. What are we on? Today is... We're in February. In two months, it'll be 32 years for us. We are the longest married couple... Oh, no, I'm sorry. My dad and my stepmom. But he was divorced. the longest married couple that I married the, married once, right, in my whole family. But I had to decide to break that chain and say, this is not going to happen for us. We are not going to do this. This is not going to be part of our identity. But what happens? You become part of your identity, then you feel increasingly hopeless because you have an excuse it's not part of my notes, but, you know, you can have a reason for your behavior, but don't have an excuse. If you have a reason for your behavior, you have a way out. You may have a reason for where you're at, but it's just a reason. The minute you make that reason an excuse, you never get out of it because it's an excuse. I'm going to stay. Well, this is why. No, this is the reason why I'm here, but I'm not going to stay here. I'm going to work my I'm going to get my way into freedom and not just any freedom but freedom indeed. You become a slave. Oh you be you then you become defensive. So you become a part of your identity, you begin to feel increasingly hopeless, then you become defensive. You even defend the very thing that's a sin in your life. Some of the pet peeves I have in Christianity is I'm better than I used to be. Yeah, but you should be better tomorrow than you were yesterday, right? Come on, than you are today. I'm better than I used to be, so I'm staying right where I'm at because I'm already better. Me and God have this understanding. Oh. God understands. Oh. See, God doesn't stand under no one, under nothing. He's God. He doesn't understand your sin and your way of life. He wants to free you from it. He's not willing to leave you there and go, yeah, I get it. Sorry for you. No, he says, I got a way out of that. You become a slave. Now, you've, you've, it's become part of your identity. You've become hopeless. You've defended it, and now, it's, now you're a slave of it. And then you lose your life. You may be going to heaven, but you lose the quality of life that God has promised you here on earth. I'm going to say may again. 
Today, we're going to change this progression and send you on a journey that leads to freedom. How many of you want to get on that train? Right? I want, to, I want the truth will set you free. So what am I going to give you? I'm going to give you the truth. You ready? There really are demons. Do you know that there's, there's churches and in, in people in, in Christianity that don't believe in this part of the spiritual realm? demons and you know and it, and it always spooks us doesn't it we're going to change all that today these demons are your influencers first peter 5 8 through 9 it says be alert be alert and of sober mind which means self-controlled your enemy the devil prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour Resist him, standing firm in the faith, because you know that the family, not slaves, but family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of suffering. So the world is suffering because of this. But he says, no, you be sober-minded. He goes around, in another version it says, he goes around like a roaring lion, seeing who he may devour. Almost like he needs permission. Thank you. When I teach about the devil in children's church, many of you have heard this before. It says that he's been defeated and disarmed. So we call him Bob. Because if you throw him in a body of water, he bobs. He's got no teeth. He just goes around growling to see who whimpers. To see who he may devour. You notice how he calls them a lion and not a lioness. If you know anything about those creatures, you know that a lioness is the hunter. The lion is lazy. He is. <laughs> Everyone is comfortable with the angels part of, but we're not comfortable with the demon part. Look at what C.S. Lewis said. Satan hails the skeptic and the superstitious alike. He doesn't care if you don't believe in him. In fact, he would prefer that. That's the biggest lie of them all. He doesn't exist. We need to stay away from these two extremes. Now, can we be under the influence? I'm a Christian. Jesus lives inside of me. The Holy Spirit lives inside of me. And I can't be possessed. And that is a true statement. But you can't be influenced. Or the word is oppressed, which is a heavy word in itself. A believer or a Christian cannot be possessed by demons because Jesus already lives inside of them. Jesus already occupies that space. To be possessed, that means ownership or mastery over, which he doesn't have. God already owns us, but through our own disobedience... We open certain doors in our life that allow the enemy to have a foothold and to be able to influence us. In Ephesians chapter 4, verses 26 through 28, it says, In your anger, do not sin. That's tough, man. <laughs> go for a walk. Go for a drive. Get out of the house. Run down the street. Do something else, but don't sin. 
Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry. And do not give the devil a foothold. Anyone who has been stealing must steal no more. I don't steal as much as I used to. I'm better at this. I don't do... Come on. It says steal what? No more. It doesn't say don't steal as much. Don't do this. Don't sin as... No, it says no more. Steal no more. Having been stealing, must steal no longer. And do not give the devil a foothold. They must flee in Jesus' name. So the truth will set you free. There really are demons, number one. Number two, we can be under the influence. And number three, they must flee in Jesus' name. Finally, a positive note here, Pastor Rick. Thank you so much. Luke chapter 10, verses 17 to 20. I love these verses. The 72 returned with joy and said, Lord, even the demons submit to our name. They were strutting their stuff, man. They were, oh, yeah, we got it going on. And he replied, listen, <laughs> I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. You guys, you guys think you got something going on? I saw him fall from heaven like lightning. So I have given you this authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and overcome all the power of the enemy. Nothing will harm you. However, do not rejoice. Come on. Do not rejoice that the spirits submit to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. What is the most powerful thing that could ever happen to anybody is their salvation. Their salvation is the most powerful. That is the biggest miracle of them all. I was in darkness and now I'm in light. I was blind, but now I see I'm a brand new creation. I'm born again. And if you heard some of my sermons, you'll know that even our bloodline changes. Yeah. Right? We're born into sin. Why? Because we're in the bloodline of Adam. But when you become a new creation, we're in the bloodline of a baby that was born of a virgin that is in the bloodline of God himself. I'm no longer that person. I'm not subject to the bloodline of a sinner anymore. I'm free. <laughs> right? Thank you. I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. I think we still have lightning just so you could see that. Gone. Right? I think Satan, you know, he was in charge of worship up there. He had musical instruments coming out of his body and stuff. You can read all that if you want. But uh, he, was, he was in charge. And then one day he says, he looked up at God's throne. And he goes, one day. And before he could finish his sentence. This is how I teach it to the kids. Before he could finish his sentence, he flicked them out of heaven like a booger. <laughs> Gone. How long does it take you to flick something? Not very long. I wish I was still teaching children's church. That would have been a lot more amusing. <laughs> See, Jesus wasn't impressed with their ability to cast out demons because he was present when, when he saw Satan fall. He knew that he had already been defeated. Listen, <laughs> God is not in a battle with the devil. There's no, you know, the little angel and the little demon here, you know. There's no battle going on. God already won. 
<laughs> right? The enemy, the, the, the devil celebrated for three days. Woohoo! I, oh, oh, the, the rocks, oh man. And he came back to life, resurrected three days later, and defeated even death. That's like the worst weapon that the enemy could have is death. And he says he defeated even death. So now he hasn't only been flicked out of the heavens, now he's been defeated on earth. And we've been given the same spirit that resurrected Jesus from the dead, lives inside of you, and it quickens your mortal body. That's what it says in Romans. That same spirit of resurrection that defeated the enemy lives inside of us. Then why are we under the influence? Then why are we running? And why are we shivering? And why are we still lame under the table? Maybe we don't know the truth or we're not practicing the truth. There's no two forces going on here. There's one. God is the victor. Don't be excited that these spirits submit to you, but that you're on the right team. See, I know this is hard. Today, two teams are going to go on the field and they're going to play the Super Bowl, right? The big NFL football game. And this year, it's actually being televised in more countries than ever before. So now the NFL is going to be, I mean, packed. People are going to watch and eat way too much junk. But they're going to watch this game and they're going to be there, and two teams are going to battle it out. And at the end, there's going to be one winner, and he's going to hold up that trophy. Right? See, we have a choice. And our choice is not to be on a team that still has to battle it out for the win. We get to choose from the losing team or the winning team. Because our team already won. Now, if you choose the winning team, there's some sacrifices that need to happen to be part of that team. When you join a, a, a professional sport, there's certain things you have to do. You have to train. You have to show up for training. You have to lose weight or gain weight. Or you have to, there's certain things, right, Spencer? You have to go out there when you're playing football. You have to do certain things and be able to run at a certain speed. And, and there's, they, they test you to see if you're even capable to practice or to, uh, uh, to be able to defeat the enemy. So you want to be on the right team. Yeah, there's some things that need to happen. But once you're on that team, you win. That's right. Romans 8, 37 through 39 says, no. Look, in all these things, we are more, come on, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. We're not more than conquerors through him who is at battle. We're not more than conquerors through him who is our general. We're, not more, than, we're more than conquerors because he loved us. He obviously did not love the devil. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future or any powers, any powers, neither height nor death nor anything else in all of creation, there's your, your natural and your supernatural, will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Why are we still struggling? 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 3 through 4. If I'm going to preach the truth will set you free, right, or free indeed, then i got to give you the truth. And that's why there's so many scriptures, because that's the truth. I could say a thousand words in my own 
mind and my own sayings, and it won't mean as much as one of these scriptures. 2 Corinthians 10, 3 through 4 says, For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. <laughs> the weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. Listen, you might take down your enemy and he'll go and recover and come back and have to fight again. But it, it doesn't say that. It says it what? Demolish. <laughs> when when uh, Moses was crossing the Red Sea, right, and he held up that and they went across, they didn't just fight off the enemy and they, get, they went and got ready and came back. They were swallowed up by the ocean. They did not survive. They were demolished. <laughs> Thank you, Lord, that you have demolished the strongholds in our life. Strongholds are that area that you struggle with and have let the devil lie to you over and over to the point where you stop fighting. Time to pick up the fight again. Strongholds is a prisoner locked by deception or living by something that is not true. That's the definition of stronghold. A prisoner locked by deception or living by something that is not true. John chapter 8, verse 44, it says, When he lies, he, the devil, speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies. How do you know when the devil's lying? His mouth is moving. So what do we do about it? 2 Corinthians 10.5. We demolish the arguments and every pretension <laughs> that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. Yeah. I can't get into it today, but and my, you can ask my wife. She's reading a book about uh, uh, how this works in the natural, in your subconscious. You know that there's... there's Things in your subconscious that keep coming forward and how to deal. Take those things, right, and lock them up. Take those things, take every thought captive. It means to lock it up and throw away the key. That thought is not allowed to come back. And if it tries, right, it's going to be, it's stuck in there. You can't, you incarcerate the thought. See, what we've done is we allow the thought to come in. We contemplate the thought. We meditate on the thought. The thought becomes a, a temptation. Then when the temptation comes, we fight it off a little bit, and then we say, ah, and we come up with all those excuses. I'm better than I used to be. I'm not so bad. I've done this before. My life's still okay. I know how to control it. I really don't have a problem. There's a ministry out there that I went to when I was a drug addict, and I didn't know much about the Bible. Uh, I had just gotten saved, but I knew that I needed some help, and I went to this, this ministry. I'm not going to say what it is. You're going to know what it is in a minute, but, uh, uh, and they have you stand up and say your name and say what you are. Hi, my name is Rick, and I'm a drug addict. I couldn't do that. The little bit that I understood was that I was no longer that person. The little bit of the Bible I understood that my, past, the, the, my pastor at the time, Pastor David Southwell, that I got saved through, the, the little bit that I knew was I am no longer that. I'm not going to say that because that's who I used to be. 
Why am I going to continue to say that over myself? And then later I found out that there's power in what you say about yourself. (laughs) Take every thought captive. Your thoughts are being formed by what you believe. What do you believe about yourself? Is it what God thinks of you? Not always. We have formed some thoughts by believing the lies, and now we need to replace those thoughts with the truth because it is knowing the truth that sets you free. That word knowing is to plant the truth into your mind. And once you plant it into your mind, it, then it goes down into your heart where it, where it really changes you. This is, see, you can have all the thoughts, all your, your scriptures up here. But if it's not here, it'll never change you. Let me see if I can get you to, to, to understand this one because I'm still chewing on it as a, as a Christian of 35 years. It says that in the beginning was the Word, and the Word became flesh. Think about that for a moment. As we receive the word, it should become part of our flesh. Is that, is that too far? Is that too, too crazy to think that way? So if I receive the word, then I become like the word. That means that I start to change and think and behave and look like the word. So now I have knowledge of the word, but I'm still not looking like it. Then it needs to get from here to here. Because once it's part of your heart, then it's part of who you are, not what you know. Because we could know without it being part of who we are. It says the devil knows the Bible from front to back. I've known people that can quote scripture left and right, man, and know where everything, and, and their lives are in shambles. Like, if you know all those things, that's, Tony Evans put it best. He, he said when, when he first got saved, he, he got his Bible and he read through it like in a couple of months and he was just, just eating everything up, you know, and then he started reading things and he started realizing that thing and he started misinterpreting things because he just got, and he went to his pastor and he says, look, the Bible. And the pastor says, you need to quit reading so much and start praying more. And he goes, what? And he goes, yeah, so that you can pray yourself into believing what you're reading and then become so you, you're, you've created all this knowledge, but you're not living half of what you know. Yes. You're not living half of what you know. And, that, and you, those of you who know Tony Evans, he's an amazing preacher. He knows the word. He began to apply those things to his life and began to live that way. And he said, it took him a while. He gives a testimony. He goes, it took me a while to catch up to my knowledge because there was so much I needed to change. Let's become the word because that's the truth and the truth will set you free. Do not conform, Romans 12, 2. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed. I love that word. Transformed by the renewing of your mind. How do you renew your mind? I call it brainwashing. Is it okay to call it that? One of, the, one of the things that the, the Bible teaches us is the word is like water. It washes your mind. Here's an interesting thing. It has nothing to do with what I'm preaching, but uh, I, I was teaching a, a class called School of Leaders, and I taught on basic things like prayer and the word. So I took the, the word, the word, the word, 
and I went through the Bible and found all the different natural things that the word has been compared to, a seed, water, right? So I found, I believe it's in Psalms, I found where it says the word is like a hammer. And immediately, because I speak three languages in my head, I started going to my other languages and realized in Portuguese, to preach, is the word is pregar. The same exact word is the word for hammer. It's not even different, right? To nail it on the head, right? The hammer nails it on this little head of a nail. Only the word can do that. Everything else... <laughs> right is your thumb everything else is not the right the word is like a hammer it's like a you know if you get hit in the head with a hammer you'll know it <laughs> but let's not do that let's wash our minds with water ephesians chapter 4 verses 22 through 23 you were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off the old self which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires to be made new in the attitude of your mind. What attitude do you have? Attitude comes from defense. Did you know that? You cop an attitude when you defend something. What are you defending? You don't understand. You don't know what I've been through. You don't know what was done to me. You don't know what my you don't know the house I was raised in. You don't know my husband. You don't know my wife. You don't know. You don't understand. This is I'm the way that I am because because you haven't let God free you from your strongholds. You haven't let God remove those chains that are binding you. That's why, not because of all your past. Yes, we're not negating that. We're not ignoring that. We're not saying that people that hurt you, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, should be excused for what they did. We're not saying that at all. What we're saying is, don't let it continue to affect your mind, your life, your decisions, your attitudes. See, we defeat the enemy by replacing every lie he has told us with the truth of God's word. We cannot do this by just attending church on Sunday, although we need to. I wish I could just preach a message that would set us all free and keep you that way from now on. Now, can a message set you free? Absolutely. I believe that the Spirit of God has been ministering to you as I've been preaching this message. Even from last week, I told you guys, go home, take your notes home, and keep, keep this process going because God's going to set you free, and not just free, but free indeed. When the Son sets you free, you are free indeed. So I believe it's already happening. But how does that happen? You have to continue in the word. Continue in the word. We spend a large portion of our day hearing lies. In some cases, accepting the lie because of the lack of truth within us. I say it this way. We get a lot of facts in our mind, but we don't replace it with the truth. We can't say... You know, our confession, you know, we took, we took Christianity confession way too far. 
You could say COVID doesn't exist. No, it exists. Somebody gave it a name, and it's a disease, and it's a germ, and it's out there, and people get it, and people have died from it. And and, and in some cases, it has been serious, and in some cases, not so much. I've had it twice. I've won twice. (laughs) Right? They say you never get it three times, so I'm good. (laughs) Right? I made it to round 12. (laughs) I don't want it again, believe me. (laughs) so those are facts it's out there but it's not the truth the truth is that by the stripes of jesus i'm already healed come on yeah i went through it through it i didn't set up my my tent there i didn't you know i went through it came out on the other side you know what's interesting you could think whatever you want on this i came out on the other side stronger than i was before Naturally, that's what happens. Your body creates. The body created by God, right, gets stronger around these things. That happens in any area, not just disease. I don't know why I'm going here. I got a couple minutes. I had a friend of mine, his 18-year-old son uh, committed suicide. Nobody knows why. Nobody, they were, he was friends with my, with my kids. And I was... I got the call. that after, It happened that morning. He found out about midday that day, and that afternoon I was at his house. Most difficult thing I have ever had to be a part of. <clears throat> so I showed up at his house, and I didn't know, what, what do you say? Nothing. That's probably the most wisest thing a pastor could ever do in a situation like that is say nothing. Anybody. So I went, he was standing in his kitchen. I went and stood next to him. Couldn't get near his wife, she was a mess. So I, st- I just stood there. And he looked at me and I looked at him and just nodded my head. And man, I could tell you, it felt like hours of, of just standing there. And people would come and give him a hug and walk away and I'm so sorry. And, and I just stood there, I didn't even, nothing, I just stood there. And when he was ready, he asked me. And this was completely by the Holy Spirit. That's why I remember it till today. I looked at him and I said, this pain will never get less than it is right now. This pain is never going to go away. But you are going to become stronger around it. He now helps others that have gone through the same thing, has lost a child or, or suicide or something like that. And and he, he texts me every once in a while and says, hey, I used your little saying. I told him that, and I don't understand it, but he explained it to me. He said, as long as I feel the pain of losing my son, I know that I loved him. Think about that for a moment. As long as, if he could feel pain, as long as God had to turn his back on his only begotten son. And he still till today, feel if he could feel that pain, it reminds him that he loves us. Remembering that his son hung on a cross and he had to turn his back on him because God is holy and his son had all our sin upon him and he couldn't even look upon him. And his son even cried out and said, my God, Abba, Abba, Father, why have you forsaken me? Yeah. 
What a moment in time, in eternity. And because of that, it shows how much he loved us. I'm going to give you three basic truths how you can begin your journey to freedom. God loves you, and he is for you. That's number one. God loves you, and he is for you. He's not against you. John 3, 16 and 17, I'm going to read this in the Message Bible. This is a paraphrase. I don't recommend it as a translation, but sometimes it's right on. This is how much God loved the world. Say, that's me. He gave his son, his one and only son. And this is why. So that no one need be destroyed. By believing in him, anyone can have a whole and lasting life. God didn't go all didn't go to all the trouble of sending his son merely to point out an accusing finger, telling the world how bad it was. He came to help and to put the world right again. He didn't, he didn't it says in, in the King James, he didn't die to, to be able to condemn you. Jesus didn't come to condemn the world, but to save it. How is the world condemned? If you don't believe. That has nothing to do with God, because if you don't believe, you've eliminated him out of your life. That's how you're condemned. The moment you believe, you're no longer condemned, even in the midst of your sin. That's not a license to sin, by the way. I remember when I first got saved, there were several things I was dealing with. And there was one particular thing that I just kept. And every time I, I, I did that thing, I would cry. And I would, oh, Lord, forgive me. And, and then it just kept going on. And one day I prayed out to God and said, God, I need strength to overcome this thing. It just keeps getting me. It keeps sneaking up on me. And I don't know what else to do. And I don't want to do it anymore. Every time I do it, I cry. I cried for three years, as, a, as a first three years of a Christian. Every time the worship would go on, I was crying. I, I was crying all the time. They wrote the book of Lamentations after me. So I was, I was crying all the time. And I was crying out to God. And this is the first time that I really sensed the Holy Spirit speak to my heart. Not audible. I've heard the Lord audibly two times in my life. I know, it sounds crazy. I thought I was going crazy. I'm having flashbacks from my days. But it wasn't that at all. God was really speaking to me. One of them was to marry my wife. Got that one right. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. Right? I was engaged with someone else, by the way, when the Lord spoke to me. Anyway, I won't tell you that story. She, she loves telling that story. I don't. But, and the other one was to, to leave. I was prospering in Miami. I had my own business. That we were servicing copiers for Xerox. We were, we were doing really well, living in a really nice neighborhood in Miami. I had a boat in my garage. You know, had nice cars, going on fancy vacations. We were, we were doing well. And the Lord said, you need to go to Ramah. You need to get ready for full-time ministry. And the same time that I heard that audibly, I had to pull my car over because I was in my, in my little S10. I'll never forget. I had a, a truck that was separate for work. I pulled over on the side of the road next to Tamiami Airport on 137th Avenue, southwest, if you know anything about Miami. And I pulled over right there by the airport, and uh, the Lord began to speak to me. And he said, you, you need to do this 
this is the last time I'm going to, because he had been working on me for about a week or so. This is the last time I'm going to say it. After this, I leave you alone. That's, you don't want to hear God tell you, I'm going to leave you alone. That's the last thing you want to hear. And I heard it in my car. I drove home and I told my wife and I said, you know, and, and, and the day before or that morning, the day before, Xerox had called me and wanted to triple my business. We were already prospering. And they, they called me and told me, we want to give you two more territories. They were going to triple my business. You would say, well, that's God. Right? Wouldn't you? I mean, that's financial blessing three times. We're doing good already, so imagine that times three. I'm glad I didn't stay. I'm glad I didn't stay in Miami, I could tell you that. And that was the second time that I heard him audibly, and I went to Ramah, and that's why I'm here today. Right? Thank God that God speaks to his people because he loves them and he is for them. If he asks you, if you feel conviction, about, not condemnation, but conviction about something or guilt about something, repent. It goes away because God put that there through the Holy Spirit to guide you and to lead you. Number two, I can be free. Well, you don't, you don't understand. I, you know, I've been dealing with this my whole life. I, you know, I don't know how I, I'm, ne- I'm just going to, I'm never going to, I'll be free when I die and go to heaven. Romans chapter 8, verses 1 and 2 in the Message Bible again. It says, with the arrival of Jesus, the Messiah, that fateful dilemma is resolved. Those who enter into Christ being here for us no longer have to live under a continuous low-lying black cloud. That's the lie. But a new power is in operation. The spirit of life in Christ, like a strong wind, has magnificently cleared the air, freedom, uh, cleared the air, freeing you from a faded lifetime of brutal tyranny at the hands of sin and death you think that your sin is something strong and something you know it, when we do encounters we call that no you ever had no they're like little bugs you ever been out right and and and, you, and man they make you itch and they right but if they get around you it's like smoke in, in psalms it says like smoke is driven away so shall these things that in, incarcerate you, that these sins, so they can, it's really that easy. <laughs> I can be free. Let's say it together. I can be free. You got to believe that because God has already set you free. And number three, the last one, I can be restored. If somebody could please Go get uh, Children's Church, my wife, because I'm going to need the uh, worship team. I'm sorry, I forgot to tell you guys. But I want you to do that last song before we exit out of this building today. Number three is I can be restored. I can, there's a re. I can be restored. Psalm 71:20. Now, if anybody knew about being restored, it was David. Come on. He could spend 30 verses talking about, oh, complaining, oh, God, I'm going through this, and I'm going, oh, and then the last three verses, he frees himself. It only took him a couple of verses to get out of that cloud that he was under. Psalm 71, verse 20. The worship team can make their way up here. 
Psalm 71, verse 20. Though you have made me see troubles, many, and that sounds like David, right? Many and bitter, you will restore my life again. From the depths of the earth, you will again bring me up. Let's stand to our feet this morning. He will restore us. Not only set us free, but restore us. You know, when something's in a store, it has a value. It has a a little sticker that tells you how much it is. To be restored, it says it's to to give you the value that you had before. And what value is that? His son, Jesus. That's why I tell people, I said, you know, yeah, I'm called into the fivefold ministry. I have fivefold ministry calling of being a pastor. And, uh, you know, the spirit does move and does speak to me sometimes. And there, on occasion, I prophesy and all that. It has nothing to do with me. Because I'm just as valuable to God as you are. We're just as valuable to God as the unsaved person in the world. Because he paid the same price for them. So you can't say I'm more valuable to God because you're not. He already paid the price. And to be restored is to give you that value once again. God loves you and he is for you. He wants to free you and set you free. And he wants to keep you that way. If you believe those simple truths, that will remove some of the lies that are in your mind. But the only way to remove a lie is to replace it with a truth. You are more than conquerors through Christ who strengthens you. Come on. In, the, this, in this song that we did today that's new, it says that your strongholds, he delivered us from our strongholds, and our, I can hear the chains hit the ground. As you say this now, you, you sang it before, but now we've got some truth. Now we've got some truth from God in our minds and in our spirit. It has changed us. So as we confess this and profess this in this song, declare it upon yourselves. I declare right now in the powerful name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, that as we sing this, that the Spirit of God would fall upon us and that we would be delivered and set free today, Lord, from our past, Lord, from our culture, Lord, from our families, from anything that has hurt us, that has bound us, that has oppressed us. You are going to set us free right now in Jesus' name. I believe that, Lord. Freedom! Freedom! Thanks for listening to the New Life Bible Church podcast. If you're ever in the Central Florida area, consider this a standing invitation for you to join us. We would love to meet you. Services are Sundays at 1030 a.m. and Wednesdays at 7 p.m. If this message blessed you, imagine what it would be like in person. Keep up with everything going on at New Life on our website, orangecitychurch.com. New Life Bible Church, you will never be the same.